Hi, this is Pastor Rick. I'm glad you're with me today. I want to take you on a journey in Genesis that's going to help your life. It's called Restoring God's Interrupted Plan. It's a great study and it's going to be just for you and I to get in the Word of God together and you will love it. Here's the plan. Here's how we're going to do this. We're going to study the Word together right here and then we're going to do a Q&A session with a bunch of folks and share and interact together. It's going to be fun. I want you to stay with me. We're getting ready to jump into Genesis, my friend. Get your feet wet. No, we're going to get your whole body dumped. It's going to be great. Stay right there. And let me read for you the beginning of our study in the book of Genesis. It's a powerful book. Welcome to Overcoming by Faith's online Bible study. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Now, let's join Pastor Rick. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said that there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate waters from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it, and it was so. God called the vault sky, and there it was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground and the gathered waters he called seas. God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with the seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kind, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kind. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning the third day. And God said that there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years, and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said that the waters teem with living waters and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and God said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kind, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kind, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds, 
and God saw that it was good, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, and in the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth, and all the birds in the sky, and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens, and the earth were completed in all their vast array. The seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Well, I love the reading of that scripture. I think Genesis chapter one sets the stage. It's that great book called the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, where God gave a profound message to Moses that described the creation of the world. And that gives us its incredible insight into God's thinking when he made us. What I love about the book of Genesis is it's a book that's about a plan. It's not a guy that's just doing something. This is a guy saying, let me tell you what God had in mind when he made us. The problem is God's plan was interrupted. Now, you can relate to that because you have a problem. You've had a life where you've had a moment when something you planned was interrupted. Something you started didn't end the way you thought it would. As a matter of fact, all of us, when you have children, when you have a career, when you start to save money and things come up and you have to spend it, We've all had interrupted plans. God's goal in making us was to give us a great life. That was the plan. We would never die. We'd never be sick. We'd never lose anything. And I'll talk about that more in a minute. But that was his plan. What happened to it? Why was it interrupted? And how do we get back to his original plan? Well, some things you can't go back to. But there's a lot of things you can go forward and get into. One more time. There's a lot of things you can't go back to. But there's a lot of things you can go forward and get into. And the question is, what do you need to get into that's in your future? I'm not telling you this. I'm not going through the study with you for you to get lost. The, the term Genesis means beginning. That's why it's called Genesis, because the Bible says in the beginning, God created. And so this is about how it all started. And you learn a lot when you look at how it was started. You learn a lot about God's thinking, a lot about a lot of things. So what I want to do on this study is take you through the life of five people. Adam and Eve, you ready? Adam and Eve, right? 
Then you're going to have Noah. Then you're going to have Abraham. Then you're going to have Jacob. I mean, six people. I forgot one. And Joseph. You got six people we're going to look at. In the study, the goal is to show you how all six of these people are, are five families, is what I had in mind earlier, how these folks all impacted your life and what God had in mind for them. What was the basic bottom line goal when he started this? What did he want to happen? What was his vision for man? And what went wrong? So let me take you through all of the individuals we're going to study and then we're going to take them each in each of our studies. We're going to go through each one. Our study starts with Genesis chapter one with the life of Adam and Eve. When you look at their life, it's powerful, it's simple, it's profound, it's not confusing. These are people that God made and gave everything to. They had a planet. They had the earth. God made man. Genesis chapter one, verse 27, 28 talks about it and how God said he made them in his image. And it was his desire that they would have dominion over everything. That was his plan. They would not be afraid of birds. They wouldn't be afraid of snakes. They wouldn't be afraid of anything. They were in charge. They were supposed to have no mortgage, no light bill, nothing. That was God's original plan. Then there's a guy we're going to look at. His name was Noah. And God's plan for him was pretty profound, pretty simple. God wanted him to become the second chance guy. The guy that could start it all over again, because once Adam and Eve and those folks messed up, when you get to chapter six of Genesis, you now have a start over, a start again. And that's what Noah represented, a man who could now fix what was broken. The first five chapters shows you a tremendous downward trend of moral behavior. The Bible describes man's whole life as lost and as absolutely catastrophic. That's the first five chapters of Genesis. Then when you get to six, now you have this incredible guy with his family and only his family. What's amazing about this guy is only he and his family. That's all there is. And everything is centered around them. They build this ark. And we'll talk about that. We'll talk about how this was a start over again moment in his life. And some of you can relate to that. Third guy we're going to talk about is a guy named Abraham. Now, Abraham was a guy where God had a plan that he would be he would be this guy that would sort of expand the world. I'm going to give you a promised land. I'm going to give you a whole new whole new seed of people. I'm going to give you this entire new opportunity. And so his life was about expansion. God's goal was for him to expand. What happened to that plan? How did that plan get interrupted? Well, I'll give you a hint. People failed God. They backslid. They lost sight of God. But that's another study. Then that's the next thing we'll look at is a guy named Jacob. Jacob was a guy that God had a plan for him to receive this great inheritance. God wanted to bless him. God wanted to give him this great inheritance. And he didn't have to do anything but be faithful. Instead, he became a trickster. He became a manipulator. And that interrupted God's plan for him for years. He ended up in a place he didn't have to be. He went to go stay with an uncle named Laban and had a tremendous list of issues that had to be resolved before God's plan for his life could, could be given back to him. It, it's so amazing how sometimes the things we do interrupt God's plan and makes us take that long route. A little hint for you. You know, God never intended for Israel to have to go across the Red Sea. That was never in the plan. That happened because they wouldn't go through the wilderness of Sion. S-I-N. They wouldn't, they wouldn't go that way, the Bible said, because they didn't want to fight. 
And so because they didn't want to fight, they had to take this long way where it would have taken them a few weeks to get someplace. Now it's taken them 40 years. Sometimes, my friend, God's plan is interrupted because we're trying to sneakily do something that God never wanted us to do. And Jacob learned that lesson. And then we're going to look at the guy named Joseph. Now, this is a guy where God had a vision of promotion, a plan to promote his life, to give him more opportunity than anybody before him. The problem was he had a lot of roadblocks, a lot of issues that came into his life. How did God get Joseph, a 17-year-old, from where he was in life in a family of people that worked against him to a place of promotion? And some of you are there. You're dealing with families, friends, people that don't help you. They hinder you. They may mean well, and sometimes they don't mean well. How did God get this guy promoted in that kind of environment? And I'll show you that. All of that will take us down a path where we'll look at people's lives, God's plans, how those plans got interrupted, and how we can fix it. Your life has a lot of stories to it. Your life has a lot of issues that you faced. And I'm telling you, God wants to get you from here to there. God knows that what he's had for you has been interrupted, but I'm telling you, it can be better. Now, I'm going to come back in just a minute, and I'm going to share something with you in the Word of God. We're going to talk about three people today. We're talking about Adam, Eve, and Noah, those first three. And I want you to hear me today. Get your Bible ready, get your pen and pencil ready, get your study notes out, and get ready to learn today how these three people had interrupted plans and how God fixed it. You stay right there. I want to talk to you now about three gifts. Adam and Eve were incredible people. These were the first two people, married folks, in love, put together by God. Talk about a love relationship. This is a family that's on the move to a good place. They have a planet. They have no mortgage. They have free food. Don't have to go to the grocery store. 
They have no need of money because they own everything. These folks are in charge and large. Here's the problem, though. Things go haywire. And they go haywire because they lost sight of the gifts God gave them. Most of the time, when plans that God has for us are interrupted, we lose sight of what we already have in our hands. So let me list for you three things that God gave them that you might find fascinating. The first thing God gave them was a Sabbath model. Genesis chapter two, verse two. By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, when you see that word holy, that simply means set apart. That's all it means. This is something special. This is something you don't touch. This is something that's unique. God established for them as a gift something called a Sabbath, which means a rest. Everything should stop. There should always be a stopping point. What's interesting is the life that we live today and the life that we're teaching people to live is a life of go, 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 go. But God modeled pacing for them. He wanted them to understand the power of going one day at a time. I think some of us have too much. As a matter of fact, I think the way he even designed the way the earth works is a a hint. I want there to be a beginning and an ending. A night and a day. Look with me at chapter one, verse five. The Bible says God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning. There was always evening and morning. As you read Genesis chapter one, you see that in creation, that constant statement. Evening, morning, morning, evening. It's always there's something about a stopping and a beginning. When do you stop? When is your Sabbath? Some of you are on the road to success and you're trying to get there, but you're trying to get there all in one day. And there's something about understanding the power of Sabbath. So the first thing God gave man was a Sabbath, a model, an example of how to live his life. I want you guys to look at me. I'm God. I'm not tired, but I stopped. I paused and I want you to stop and pause. It's not about being exhausted. It's about being balanced. It's about understanding this is how you do it. Second thing God gave man as a gift was something called a job description. (laughs) That's right. He wanted man to have a specific set of things he did and a specific set of things he did not do. There were two areas. He had a physical description and he had a, a, a mental description. So there were some things he wanted man to do physically. He wanted man to get his hands dirty. He wanted man to be active and engaged. And then there were some things he wanted him to do mentally. So let me read the verses to you. Genesis chapter two, verse 15. The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work. Watch that now. And to take care of it. He wanted him to take care physically of the garden. I want you to take care of this physically. Put your hands on the dirt. Now, there's something about activity that that shows up in our lives. You know, it's funny, you know, exercise <laughs> is all about the need to do something because we're not active enough. If we were doing this kind of work, that would be the exercise. God wanted him to be physically engaged. And I want to tell you, a lot of times we, we don't receive God's plan in our lives because we interrupt it with, with sitting down all day. God wanted him moving. 
Second thing he wanted was he not, only, not only his body moving, he wanted his mind moving. Now, love verse 19. Listen to what it said. The Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He, God, brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. Now, this is mind blowing to me because what he did was he gave man an opportunity to think. I am convinced that what we do in teaching people about God is we make them think God is not into them thinking. Now, I'm going to use some terms. Don't get nervous. Don't lose your cool. Stay with me. Okay? Promise me. Stay with me. I'm going to say some things here, but I want you to hear me. When you say things like, God, I want you to speak through me. I don't want these words to be my words. I want these to be your words from your lips as I speak them. I, I know what you mean when you say that. And I know you're trying to say, God, help me do this and acknowledge God in all your ways. I get that. But that's not how it works. That's not how it works. If you're a terrible speaker, you'll be a terrible speaker after that prayer. If you don't know what you're talking about when you pray that prayer, you still won't know what you're talking about when you when you when you teach or when you talk. It's not something that happens in your life because you pray and ask God to do it. This is about you understanding the power of. Gifts, skills, talents, abilities, and you being in, in the fight. God said, I'm going to take these animals to Adam and I'm going to see what he would call them. I want to see what he names them. He looks at, so imagine he looks over there and he sees the monkey, right? And then Adam says, God says, Adam, what do you, what do you think? What do you want to call that? Give me, give me a name for that. And then Adam looks at it and goes, hmm. I think it's uh, I think that's a monkey. I think that's a monkey. Now, now understand, you would think that what we tend to believe, it works like this. God would speak to Adam in his ear and say, call it a monkey. And then Adam would say, it's a monkey. That's not how it works. Notice that God has Adam involved in the thinking process. He looks at it. He decides that based on this or whatever criteria he comes up with, catch that, he comes up with, he names it. God says, I'm going to see what he would name it. Now, some of you say, wait a minute, God is omniscient. I know that shows you how he works. He knows already what Adam is going to say. Ephesians talks about that. God has foreknowledge, but we're not talking about what God has. We're talking about how God works. He wants your brain engaged in the process. He wants your body engaged. That's why he told him to till the garden. And then he said, I want you to think. I want you to use your mind. I understand we mean, well, God gave me this song. I know, I know, I know. I hear what you're saying when you're giving God honor, and that's good. Okay? I like it. I'm not saying you shouldn't honor God when you have a gift or when you come up with something great. But he is not against you thinking. He is not against you using your mind. He gave you the ability to be creative. He gave you the ability to be unique. You don't have to wait for God to guide your hand on, on the thing and, and draw the art. And God said, turn up, that turn down. No, no, no. He gave you the ability to create things. You are a creator. God made you in his image. He wants you to do things and said, that was great. I mean, my kids, I never wanted my kids to come to me and say, Daddy, should I turn left or should I turn right? 
I want you to learn how to drive so you know when to turn left and you know when to turn right. I'm telling you something good here. Hear me. This will free you because some of you right now, you're waiting on God to give you direction about your job. Lord, where should I work? What career can I go into? Well, none, because you don't have the education to go into the ones that he wants that you, that you want to go into. You got to go back to school. You got to spend some time or you have to go get trained. You have to make some effort. You have to think about it. You have to do some research. You name the animals in your life. You want God to name all the animals. You want God to do all the creating. You want God to fix your finances. You want God to fix clean up your house. You want God to give you a husband. You don't look marryable. You got to look marryable. You have to look, that's right, marryable. You have to sound marryable. You can't be cussing out everybody. You have to be the kind of person who thinks about what you want and you, you invest in that and that's how you get there. You name the animals. You're engaged in the process. You know, there's a verse in, in the book of John 14. I just love verse 16. You know what it says? He says this. And I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Greek word that's used parakletos for advocate and for the word help. The same idea. The idea that you catch this now have someone called alongside you parakletos. Right. Right. Parasite. You heard of that before. Someone that attaches to you. He's there to help you. He's there to guide you. He's not there to do it for you. This concept that somehow God wants you to somehow give it all to him and he'll take care of everything and you're not involved is not true. You need to be physically involved and mentally involved. And that's, that's, that, that will fix some of you up right there. That was the gift God gave him. So said, hey, dude, I want, you to, I want you to get involved. Here's your job description. Your job is to physically get engaged. Your job is to Use your mind. That's your job. That's not my job. That's your job. If you don't till this garden, it's a mess. Look around your house. It's like that because of you. That's you. That's you. No, don't blame God. The children is you. That, listen, you, you, you have accepted that. There's something about not having a real understanding of your responsibility to be in this fight. Jesus is not trying to make you lazy. He's trying to get you going. He's not trying to get you to slow down. He's trying to get you to speed up and be wise, balance it out with Sabbath, balance it out with rest. He's trying to show you how to live your life. Third thing he gave him. You ready? He gave him Sabbath, right? Then he gave him a job description. And the third thing he gave him as a gift was, you ready? The drum roll. He gave them a boundary. I don't want you to go outside of these boundaries. You can't do everything. Can't have everything. Can't go everywhere. Can't interact with everybody. There is a boundary. Listen to what happened. This is Genesis chapter two, verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man. You are free to eat from every, any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Watch that. That's a promise. If you do this, here's the result. Now, I have a plan for you, but it can be interrupted. I have a plan for you, but you can mess this plan up. And I want you to understand, I'm not going to stop you from messing it up. You can have a great relationship, great marriage, great job, great career. But if you talk like that, come late, you can mess this thing up. You can mess up everything God has for you. You can interrupt it. And some of you are sitting there right now, man, oh, I know what you're talking about. I've done that. Well, if you do, you understand the next section we're going to talk about the interruption, I call it. This is where Genesis chapter three comes into place. 
This is where you see the biggest interruption in history. This is where you see man mess up and it all comes because the serpent comes to the man. They have this conversation and the goal is to move man to another set of convictions. That's often how it happens. Let me start at verse one. Genesis chapter three. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Pause there. Think about that. This conversation is where it all starts. Everything's going to go wrong from the conversation. The serpent says basically, hey, listen, let me tell you, um, why, why aren't you eating from that tree over there? And she says, hey, because I'm not supposed to. God gave me a boundary. And so he says, oh, please, why? He doesn't want you to know what he knows. And so man in this moment makes a huge decision. Adam and Eve. The decision is to, in verse six, go over there, look at it and think about compromising. Verse six, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave it to her husband and he ate it and they both messed up. And so the great interruption of God's plan happens. Have you ever had a moment where you go, oh, man, oh, man. I know I've had it, right? You hire somebody and they come late, don't do their job. You go, oh, man, I got to call them in and talk to them. Or they won't follow through. And you go, oh, man. And the interruption, you had a plan, you had a strategy, but because of their work habits, you had to make a hard decision. That's part of what you see in Genesis chapter three, this great interruption. And it leads to, in the end, them being put out of the garden. Now, that's just horrible. At the end of chapter three, you read that the, the angel of the Lord basically had to usher them out because they wouldn't leave. And the reason he had to take them out was because he said, listen, if I don't take you out of here, you're going to end up in the same place forever. And we don't want that to happen. And so now, at the end of all of this, because they have not followed through, they have allowed themselves to get out of sync with God's will. They have allowed themselves to compromise, lost sight of their job description, lost sight of the boundaries that God put in place. And now all of a sudden in chapter four of Genesis, you have this family disaster. One of the things that happens when you compromise is there's going to be a disaster at some point, somewhere between here and yonder place, there's going to be a disaster. And here's what happens. Cain and Abel, their first two children, both boys, got into this incredible conversation about how we should serve and worship God. God gave them instructions about how to honor him. And part of that was bring a blood sacrifice. So in Genesis chapter four, the whole family agrees. One guy, Cain, says, no, I'm not doing it. One guy says, I'm bringing God fruit. I'm not going to bring God a blood offering. I'm not going to offer a lamb. So what happens is he basically brings the fruit to God. It's not received. He gets angry. God tries to engage him. Nothing works. You ever have people like that? You can't reach them because they want to do it their way. But see, notice, starts with mom and dad, right? Rolls down to the children. And now the son has made a decision. Even though mom and dad have said they're sorry and repented, they've changed their direction. Sometimes, sometimes when you go left, your kids follow you later sometimes, but not, not always right away. I'm not blaming Adam and Eve for this, because I believe they tried to get the guy to do the right thing. 
But this guy made a decision, and that's one of the unique things about what you learn in Genesis. Every individual makes their own decision. Adam and Eve made a right decision to turn around and repent. Adam and Eve made a wrong decision to eat this fruit. But notice, Cain had the power to make the same decision. His test was not a tree. His test was an offering. And he made the decision to not comply. And what you saw throughout history from Adam forward, when you, before you, by the time you get to Noah, you see a lot of it. Men decided individually to, to, to more, than, more than not disobey God. And so Cain disobeys, and then he makes this incredible decision. Look with me at chapter, chapter 4, verse 8. Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Horrible. What a moment. All of this is an amazing moment in the life of a man, Adam, who started out right, but now he's watching his family crumble. The first murder in the Bible, the first murder in history. All because one guy didn't want to comply. One guy wanted his way. The Bible even calls it in scripture, the way of Cain. Are you like this guy? Are you the person that is going in the wrong direction and you are getting away from what God started or planned for you in the beginning? If you are, I believe in something called a building project. And that's what we see in Genesis chapter six. In chapter one to chapter five of Genesis, you see the, the family of Adam and Eve through chapter one, chapter four and chapter five. Five of Genesis, you see the genealogies, the listings of all the people that are born. And, and you have to realize when you study Genesis you, from verse to verse, it may be 50 years, 100 years or 200 years. It's not in chronological, chronological order. But there is this list of, of things that kind of explodes in chapter five. The world explodes. The population explodes. People often ask me, says, where did Adam and where did Cain and them get a wife? Where did they? Well, they had, you know, the Adam and Eve had more children. And eventually, as they had more children, and you have to remember, when you read Genesis, remember, it's not, you know, chapter one is 10 years and chapter two is 20 years. No, it could be hundreds of years in between them. So they could have had dozens and dozens of kids between chapter four and chapter five. So by the time you get to chapter five, you have a listing of these new families. When you get to chapter six of Genesis, now you have the building project. You have Noah, a man that the Bible describes as perfect and upright. A man that's described as godly, but the Bible says something profound about the world he lived in. Look at Genesis chapter six, verse 15, verse 13, I'm sorry. So God said to Noah, I'm going, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourselves an ark of Cyprus and uh, make rooms in it and count it with pit, I'm sorry, and coat it rather with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. Amazing. <laughs> I want you to build an ark. I want you to build a place. Now, when he tells him this, this is kind of surprising because it's like, for what? Um, we're going to build this big boat and, and, and it took forever to build it. And it, called, it was required this incredible skill. I think you should go and look at the, the creation of the ark that was uh, designed 
in the Ark Encounter in Kentucky. If you haven't, you gotta Google it. It's a phenomenal facility. And it shows you the brilliance of Noah. He was brilliant. He's a brilliant guy. I, when I went to see it, I was like, okay, this guy's smart. This guy is an engineer. This guy, I mean, you had, to, you had waste material you had to dump. You had to have material to bring food. You had to have storage. You had to have different compartments for the different animals. They couldn't all be mixed together. You had to have all kinds of incredible technology that he built into the ark just for it to work functionally. You couldn't just put them all in the room. So you have this, this incredible man that God looks at and says, I want you to build an ark. By the way, you pay for it. I'll reimburse you later. I want you to build it out of your abundance. And I want you to build the ark. And I want you to be prepared because now I'm going to have to rebuild everything. And that's what God is in the business of doing. Here you have a new beginning. And here's what God said. This is important. Matthew 24, in describing this in the New Testament, verse 37, Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. In other words, people aren't going to pay attention. This guy is building this incredible ark that's 510 feet long, that's like a, a, half, a football and a half long, and they are just not paying attention. And so the day comes, the flood comes, and Noah can't take anybody with him. You know the saddest part about this story? You can't take everybody with you. His cousins couldn't go, his mother couldn't go, if she was living, his father couldn't go. Nobody could take anybody. Sometimes when God's restoring things in your life, the interrupted plan he had for you, you're the only one that can be there. Nobody else can be there. Just you and God. And that's lonely sometimes. But that's how God restores you. There are five lessons that you should take away from this. I hope you take away. Number one, follow the plan God designed, not the one that looks good. Adam and Eve did that. God laid out a plan and they didn't follow it. They turned to a plan that looked better. Number two, I hope you take away from this that once you know the plan, use your mind and participate in the design. Once you know the plan, get involved. He wanted them to use their mind. He wanted them to use their hands. He wanted them to be involved in the plan. Stop thinking God's going to fix your life and revisit your life with grace and power if you're not involved in the process. You've got to be involved. You may have to go back and take classes. You may have to go out and exercise. You may have to do something to change your life. Thirdly, pace yourself and stop worshiping Mr. Busy. Take a Sabbath. Learn from this study that the importance is resting. You can't do everything. Being tired is not a sign of anointing. Preachers, leaders are always trying to be tired or they run you ragged with a calendar that drags you as a member to church all the time. You're tired. You're always busy. You never have time to even breathe. That's not God's will. Number four, don't blame others like Cain did when you don't follow the plan. Cain, Cain wanted to blame everybody. Don't blame everybody. It was Cain's decision. And then lastly, watch this now, build your own ark and let others find their way. Build your own ark. Sometimes you can't take people. I always say one of the most painful things about success is watching other people fail. For us, we're just beginning a journey in Genesis, and we're learning a lot of lessons that I think can change your life. God's uninterrupted plan is amazing. When God's plan is free to work, 
It can bring blessing and grace in your life. I want to show you how God wanted to expand a man's life next time. His name was Abraham, but it got interrupted too. And I'll show you how it did and how God got him back on track. I'll see you next time for part two as we continue our study in looking at God's interrupted plan for us in the book of Genesis. I'll see you next time. We encourage you to check out and share this message as well as other messages via the Overcoming by Faith website or the OBF app. Hey, make sure you join me for all the amazing times we're going to have about questions and answers around the book of Genesis. You know this book can change your life. It's the beginning of everything, God's original plan. And we're going to take some live questions. And if you can't be there in person, be there on demand. It's going to be great. I'll see you in the book of Genesis.